0: want to say, we have to give it up for that trailer. Again, it just, every week, it just cracks me up. I mean, it's such an image of what Christmas, the experience of it all, is so much like for us. It's, it's, it's an image of what life is like, right? We get into these moments where life, everything gets shaken up, and then all of a sudden, it settles down. Christmas is such a an emotional time of year. For so many, it has a lot of positive emotion and excitement and anticipation. And for others, there's a lot of painful emotions that come at this time. And I know for many of you right now, you're experiencing that and you're going through the challenges, but literally for all of us, it's a balance of both of those things. For many, it's because of past experiences that are coming up and being resurfaced. For others, it's present expectations that are challenging and that are causing you to feel anxiety or fear. But for all of us, it's a season of vulnerability in all the above. I believe at the surface level is where our emotions live fears, anxieties, sadness. And so I believe that's that first layer. The second layer down is answering those questions of vulnerability below the fear, below the That's where the vulnerability lives. And then the third layer down below the vulnerability is about asking the question of ourselves, am I going to be okay? Am I okay? Am I going to be okay? And then for me, that base level, that foundational level below each of those three things is really the question that centers around, do I believe that God is with me and God is for me? But each of these layers are filled with fears. And as we've been going through this Advent series, we've been looking at the question of fear. We've been addressing God's command, the angel's command, the invitation to fear, not. We've looked at Herod. We've looked at Zechariah. We last week looked at Joseph. And by the way, if you haven't had a chance to listen to these series, I encourage you to go back, check out the series because We've been addressing each of these questions from a very uh, relevant perspective of different people who walked through these different experiences. And today we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to look at Mary and how she addressed fear. It's not that we're not supposed to have fear, right? Fear is a very natural response to perceived danger and threat. In fact, fear is hardwired into your brain. And it's hardwired in there as a survival mechanism to protect you. So the question is not, how do I get rid of fear? Because you can't get rid of fear. The question is, how do I dance with it? How do I process it? How do I relate to the fear, experience, emotion in my life? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm big time into the World Cup, and uh, I've been enjoying it. Uh, we are all in on Team Argentina. I don't know how many of you know this, but my wife, Nicole, her family is from Argentina, and so We're we're locked in. And the star of Argentina is a guy by the name of Lionel Messi. He is considered to be one of the greatest soccer players of all time. It is amazing to watch him on the pitch the way that he handles the ball, the way that he moves through crowds and dishes the ball off with the perfect precision and pace to set others up for shots or that magical left foot that he has to put it in the corner of the goal. And it's interesting because, and this is said of all great athletes, whether it's a a Michael Jordan or a Tom Brady, it's said of great musicians as well, you know, a John Coltrane or whoever you want to say, great athletes, musicians, all these people, it's said of them that the game slows down for them that they see things happening at a different pace so that they can respond in such real time that they can maneuver their way through and make what looks to us like magic. One of my goals as a person, for me personally, and when I mentor others and counsel others, is to help them in making the game of life slow down to make emotional experiences and intellectual experiences and even spiritual experiences, to see them as the game slows down so that you can respond in real time to what's happening. Because what happens if we don't do that is we have a tendency to go off instincts, right? That's our natural response to emotion is we go, instinct. The problem is our instincts are all about survival. Our instincts are all about protection. And the problem with that is it's not about thriving in life. So we react to situations from the hardwired trauma of past experience. Disagreements turn into battle zones of fear instead of becoming safe zones of formation. And our own internal anxieties become the lens through which we see and it causes us to lash out out of fear. It causes us to lash out out of protection or The other response is it causes us to turn inward and to armor up and to shut down and to not be able to see what's actually happening in the moment to be able to move forward. You see, in reality, all these things should simply be signals that there's something happening. And when the game slows down for you, fear doesn't become a threat. You don't see hurt as a trigger to fight or flight. You don't see vulnerable spaces as a place to armor up. Emotions instead become signposts and signals to get curious, to start asking questions to slow everything down, to see what's happening and to be able to respond in real time to what's happening instead of going off instincts, getting into that fight or flight mode, and then having to come back an hour later and say, oh, now as I step back, I can see what was happening in me. Or for some of you to come back a day later, a week, a year later. Some of you, it's been 10 or 20 years that you have yet to come back to a situation in which you fought out of instincts and created a mess. And the invitation today is can we evaluate our fears for what's below the surface to move into a space that allows us to go forward, not to eliminate the players, not to eliminate fear, anxiety, or doubt, but to understand them as warning signals of a deeper question that needs to be addressed, possibly doing some reconceptualization, and then moving forward. You see it's all about being able to move forward. Jean-Paul Sartre said life is the C between B and D. I love that. B represents birth, D represents death, and C represents choice. Life is about choices. So what does this have to do with Mary? Well, I'd like to take a quick look at Mary, and I'd like to get curious. I'd like to get curious about her fears, her responses, the lead up to it all, and specifically her choice to move forward. Welcome to National Community Church this weekend. My name's Rob and I'm so excited to be able to share with you, especially my online family, NCC Online. I love you. And what an opportunity to be able to look at the life of Mary and be invited into this opportunity. And I want to specifically lean in at the end of the message today with an invitation to you And I want to ask you, even as we're moving through this message, as we look at Mary today, to invite the Holy Spirit to prompt you about where you need to let go and say yes to what God wants to do in your life as he is calling you forward. So the story we're going to look at today is found in Luke chapter 1 and verses 26 through 56 Now, we're not gonna read it all. I wanna just go through some little pieces, but I do encourage you to take some time this week and read through that entire passage and ask questions, underline in your Bible, highlight on your tablet, and and take some time to dive in to the questions. But I have five questions I wanna ask today, and I'll offer some of my own thoughts on these questions, but I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to prompt you to some of these questions and how you can answer these questions in your own life. Let's start in Luke chapter one, reading in verse 26. And this is what it says. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. The first question I want you to jot down, and I want you to answer for yourself, is this. Who's pursuing who? Now, I know that's not proper grammar for some of you. Uh, It should, should say who's pursuing whom, but, you know, we're just getting real here, right? So who's pursuing who? I think one of the greatest misunderstandings of our faith journey is that we are on the hunt for God. But you see, that is not accurate. This idea that we are trying to find him, that we are searching for encounters, that we are pursuing miracles, that we are pursuing revelations. But you see, This book is not a book about man's pursuit of God. This book right here is a book about God's relentless pursuit of man. Whether you start in Genesis where God pursues Adam and Eve in the garden as they even tried to hide from him. Or maybe how God pursued Moses in the wilderness and found him through a burning bush. Or God's pursuit of Elijah in a cave. All the way fast forward to what this Advent season is all about. About God pursuing man, coming to earth, becoming one of us. And right here in this story we see God's pursuit of Mary. How he sends a messenger to Mary. I believe that God is pursuing me. I believe that God is pursuing you. That he is relentlessly coming after you to find you, to reveal himself to you. The challenge for you is are you slowing down enough to notice, to pay attention To see where he's at work. We've been asking this question all year long. This is the question. God, where are you at work? And how can I join you in that work? The question is, how do I find God? The question is, how can I see where God's already doing the work so that I can participate in what he's doing? Foundational to Mary's story. And foundational to your story, to overcoming in this life, is asking and answering the question who's pursuing who? I believe that God is in a constant pursuit after his people. Question number two what is the gift? One of my favorite things to do at Christmas time, when I'm giving gifts to my kids is to wrap a gift in a package that doesn't actually contain the gift. I love, I remember with my kids, uh, my older boys, when I gave them their first bike. And I, I didn't wrap the bike. What I did was I wrapped a little note in a little tiny box. And the note said, go to your room and look behind your mirror." And they went in their room and they looked behind the mirror and they found another note that said, go to the basement and look here. And they went in the basement and got another note that said, go to the garage and you'll see your gift. And so they went to the garage and they were so excited. It's awesome because I love, I love being able to give them a gift that's not actually looking like what it is. Jesus' coming was the greatest example of a gift in unexpected packaging. But it spoke volumes. I mean, think about this story. Herod was, many consider, the greatest, wealthiest king of all time. And it's so interesting that God would choose to send Jesus in a time where the greatest, wealthiest king of all time lived. So you have the king of empire, the king of power, and here comes Jesus, the king of shalom, the king of peace, And the juxtaposition that takes place, the expectation of everybody that this gift was gonna come in a different package, but it comes in the package of a man, of a child, of a baby born in a lowly stable to a lowly woman, Mary. And the imagery that is there in the fullness of time at the perfect time what an affront to empire. What an affront to power. And it's so easy for us to look for packaging with the wrong, to look for gifts with the wrong packaging, right? We get caught up in that ourselves. We begin to look to the packaging of our job security, of our 401k, of our savings account. But I'm telling you, that's fake packaging. That is not what provides the security and and the gift that we need to focus on. The gift is revealed to Mary by the angel. What does he say? He says, God's favor is upon you for the Lord is with you. You see, the gift, the gift, the present is his presence. The gift is God with us, Emmanuel. Strip everything away, all of it, job, money, family, health, Strip it, you can take all those things away, but the one thing you cannot take away from me or from you is the presence of the divine God, the creator of heaven and earth. He is with you, he is yours, he is the gift. The favor of the Lord is his presence through loss It's his presence that sustains through fear, through doubt, through it all. It's his presence. There's a passage in David, or there's a passage where David in Psalms uh, talks about this. He's facing fear. He's facing betrayal and doubt and overwhelming anger at the prosperity of the wicked. And he's so confused and frustrated Fear, all the emotions come to the surface, but I love what it says in Psalm 71, verse 16. David says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply until, until I entered the sanctuary of God. What's the sanctuary? It's where his presence resides. Until I entered the presence of God. Oh, that God would manifest his presence right where you are right now. I don't know if you're in your living room or your kitchen. I don't know if you're in your car. But God, I pray that your manifest presence would consume your people right now. That you would overshadow right now. In this very moment, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would let your presence be known God, your presence is the gift. Let your people experience it today, this moment, right now. I believe that God with us is something that can never be taken away. And don't be deceived by the packaging. Don't be conceived by the circumstances of your life and say, that's the packaging of what God is trying to... Don't be deceived By the packaging, when you get a diagnosis, when you face loss, when you go through hardship or or hurt or struggle in some way, when life goes sideways, we recently moved and where we moved is right on the edge of city and country and it's so interesting because when I go out in my backyard and I look off. Uh, to one side I see the glow of the city lights I see the gl- there's like a on the horizon there's just this glow of light but when I look off this way you know what I see complete country darkness and it's so interesting to be in the place where I can see both but I'm going to it my backyard is dark It is so dark when we have friends over and they leave at night. Everybody talks about when they go out to their car, how dark it is and how quickly they try to get to their car. But one thing I've realized, the darker it is, the more I can see things that I've never seen before. I can see so many stars in my backyard. I can see the moon with such clarity. I can see galaxies. I can see so much further beyond what I ever could when I lived in spaces where it was so much lighter. And there are certain aspects of God's character that can only be revealed in the dark. So if you're facing darkness right now, if you are experiencing darkness right now, don't look down and bury your head. But oh, I invite you to look up to the heavens to see what God might be wanting to reveal to you about his character in the darkness, things that you would never, ever otherwise know about who God is. Look to him and find his presence. Question number three, where are you afraid? Where are you afraid? Verses 29 and 30 say this, Mary reading along, it says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. It's interesting to me that the angel identifies the fear before Mary even becomes aware of it, right? He identifies the fear. You see, identifying fear is such a critical part of us being able to move forward. And I don't, I don't wanna dig in too much here because we did in the intro, but can you slow down enough to see those emotions as signposts for where you need to get vulnerable. So many of our anxieties are unresolved fears. That's a word for somebody today. Fear to trust, fear to hope, fear to love, fear that you're going to be okay. So what do we do? Step one is you have to see that it's fear. Step two, you have to understand the fear. What's the fear? What's below the fear? Why is it happening? Why are you afraid? And then step three is you have to face the fear. But don't face it alone. You are not on this journey alone. We are invited into community to journey together. Invite others into your fears, your doubts, your hurts, your pains. Maybe you need to invite in some professional support through counseling. I encourage you, definitely invite in some spiritual direction. Use the counsel of the wisdom of others that you respect that can, that can also pour into you. But many of us need to consider the reality that part of facing our fears is giving it back to God. Are you willing to give it to God? To have altar moments, part of moving forward is letting go. Many of you have been a part of my journey with cancer. In 2018, I was diagnosed with small lymphocytic lymphoma, and I began a journey in January of that year of trying to understand what was happening, dealing with the fears, the insecurities that that brought up and then walking in a healing journey and experiencing God's healing in my life and I walked in that healing for four years. It was such a powerful experience to me and such a gift and some of you are have been updated but others maybe not but in 20, earlier this year in February, I found out that cancer had come back, that I had a tumor in my abdomen that was 13 centimeters, seven inches approximately in size and started all over again. Could I hope again? Could I believe again? Could I trust again? And I began to walk through that journey myself but I'd been there before, so I saw the fear. I understood it, and I had to choose to face it. And part of facing it was giving it to God. And I remember a moment right here in this room, we were having a staff chapel. We were singing a song. I was sitting right here in the second row, two seats in, and as a staff, we were, we were singing a worship song. And I remember right in the middle of the song, I got prompted in my spirit that I needed to give it to God. And you know what I did? I stepped out of my seat and I walked up to this very altar and I physically created an altar moment and I took that, that mass in my abdomen and I, and I took it and I reached it out and I placed it on this altar and then I set it down And I stood back and I said, God, I give you this thing. And I surrender to you. This is yours, Lord Jesus. Do with it what you want. And I stepped back from the altar. And I walked away. And I believe that there is something powerful about altar moments And I believe that God wants you to have an altar moment with a fear, with an anxiety, with a hurt. The call today is an invitation for you to let go, to face it, to place it on the altar, to let it go and to move forward. I had to give it all to God. You see, you'll never find peace of mind if you only give God a piece of your mind. You'll never find full freedom unless you give God all of your anxiety, all of your care, all of your mind, all of your heart and your soul. You have to lay it all there and walk away. Freedom is not found by holding on, but by letting go. It's not your controlling. It's not fake it till you make it. It's giving it all to God. But let the pressure, let the darkness, let this strange packaging of the circumstances that have been given to you not cause you to focus on the circumstance, but cause you to dig deeper, I love what Philip Yancey says, a pain redeemed is so much more powerful than a pain removed. What if we stop limiting what God can do in our lives to removal of pain and start believing that maybe what God wants to do is to redeem your pain? Are you willing to let him do that? And let go of your previous expectations. You see, part of that process is realizing that pains can't be redeemed unless you see it, you understand it, and you face it. The power of my story is not in the details, it's not in the specifics. Oh, but it's in the presence of the divine almighty creator that is with me, that walks with me, that talks with me, that is mine. That is my story. Question number four, as we move to a close, what are you pondering? We already read it, but said Mary was very much perplexed and she pondered. Later it says, how can this be? You see, Mary leaned into the question. She leaned into the doubts. She leaned in and was curious. She wrestled, but we'll see in a minute she didn't stay there. So wrestle, doubt, question. Do all those things, but don't. Stay there. The call is to choose to move forward. What are you pondering in question number five? Where do you need to say yes? Starting in verse 30, it says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come on you. Power of the Most High overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born and will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Israel, or Elizabeth, is old in, old, in her old age, has also conceived a son And this is the sixth month with her, uh, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, here's the key, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me, let it be unto me, according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah. After all the questions, the doubt, the fear, and the confusion, Mary made a choice. Mary said, yes. She said, let it be unto me. And then she set out. We don't have the time, but I encourage you to jump in and and read through the story of Mary's song and see her heart posture In those words, it's so full of grace and strength and perspective and wisdom and courage. But here's what I want to close with today. I want to ask you this question. Where are you stuck today? Where are you stuck? Where are you afraid to trust? Where are you stuck in pain? Where are you afraid to hope Or maybe, where are you afraid to hope again? Where are you afraid to love or to be loved? Where are you afraid to joy or to rejoy? Where are you afraid to find peace? You see, below your fear about answering that question is your vulnerability. And below your vulnerability is the question of, will you be okay? And below your question of, will you be okay, is the question of, is God enough for me? And I can't answer that question for you, but I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have chosen to respond, that no matter what happens in my life, God is enough, he is enough for me and it's from there that I live, it's from there that I believe, it's from there that I hope, it's from there that I overcome. Are you willing to say yes like Mary with all the doubts, fears, misconceptions, strange packaging? Are you willing to say yes and become unstuck? I know you are. I know. Do you want to say yes? I know you do. I know because there is, a, there is something inside of you that God has planted so deep. There's some teenager out there right now and you are facing some challenges at school or in your home, and you are struggling with something, and it's painful. And the invitation today is for you to give it to God and to trust him. But you're asking the question, can I do it? And even greater, you're asking the question, do I want to? And I want to talk to you right now. I know you want to. Even though I know there's another calling and and pull inside of you that's saying don't do it that's instincts but all that is is that's trying to protect you from something but on the other side it's not about survival here we're talking about thriving and I call to you no matter who you are today to say yes the invitation today is to say yes yes to make an altar where you are. I still remember that moment I talked about earlier. And you know what? I know our staff was probably looking at me because nobody made an altar call. We were singing a song and I just stepped out and did this thing and I know they were looking at me like, what's he doing over there? But you know what? I had to make a physical outward expression of what I was doing on the inside. And so right now, I want to I challenge you no matter where you are, in your home, in your kitchen, in your living room, in your office, in your car, on the commuter train, wherever you are, I want you to make an altar right now. I want you to make an outward expression. And you know what? Some people around you might look at you right now and think, what are they doing? Maybe you just need to close your eyes and you need to offer something to God. Maybe it's about you raising your hand. Maybe you're driving and so you got to keep the eyes on the road. Maybe it's about you raising your hand to God right now. I don't know what it is on the train or in your home. Maybe you need to get on your knees right now, but you need to make an altar. And the invitation today is what do you need to lay on the altar? What fear, what pain, what trauma do you need to lay on the altar? Do you need to respond like Mary with all the confusion, with all the the perplexing emotion and pondering and doubt and questions, coming to a place to say yes, to hope again, to love again, to worship again, to praise again, to be loved again, to believe again? Will you say yes Here am I, servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. This Christmas, will you give yourself the gift of saying yes to God? Father, in Jesus' name, right now I just pray that these altar moments that are taking place all over the city of D.C., the DMV, in living rooms, in offices right now. I just pray that these moments would be pivotal moments, that they would be altar moments as people lay their pain and their hurt, their fears and their doubts on the altar in Jesus' name. God, we trust you. We give you ourselves and maybe our fear, maybe our our insecurity is crossing that line of faith. And so today I invite you, maybe you need to make that your altar, coming to Jesus Christ and stepping into relationship to him. I encourage you to do that right now. Father, we come to you today and we say, let it be unto me according to your word.